I'm delighted to bring this morning's lesson entitled Accepting. And we'll get to that in just a moment. But first, I have a few thank yous to pass out. Thanks to each of you for listening uh, faithfully each week. We know this ministry is not what we would intend for Sunday School. We'd love to all be together. But this is certainly a, a great testimony to the work of people like Rob Eisenman and Gregory Baines who have made this so easy for those of us that teach. And speaking for those that teach, I want to thank all the teachers that have been doing this over the past few months. I've been blessed by your effort, your work, your word that you've delivered on God's word. And so thanks to each of you and look forward to being together again. But until that time, let's continue learning together through God's word. And let's open with a word of prayer today. Father, as we do come to this time of learning, we are so grateful that we have the technology and the time to be able to be together in this manner. And Lord, as I teach today, I pray that you will speak through the word and that people will hear what you have to say. And Lord, we're grateful for the chance to open your scriptures yet again in freedom. It seems like that because we can't be together, that we sometimes forget we have the freedom of time and of choice to do this. And we're grateful that in your provision, you've allowed that. Now give us ears to hear and a mind that understands your word. And we thank you for this time together. In the name of Jesus, amen. We're going to be in the book of Romans, and um, we're going to start in chapter 14. We have several verses to read. But again, going back to our title of accepting, we often accept what people tell us with a little bit of skepticism. Sometimes we look at what's on the news or in print media, and we wonder how much of this is really truth. We often look at what someone may be telling us, a neighbor or a business associate, and we wonder if there's an angle or a lobbying to what they have to say. Well, we don't have to worry about that with God's Word. It's very clear the intention is to edify the saints and to help us grow in sanctification. And so I'm glad we can do that as we go together in Romans chapter 14. Let's start reading the first four verses together. Verse 1, Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. One person in faith, that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat, and the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or, fa or falls. And he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. When you look at these scriptures, there's a lot of compare and contrast here that's going on. But verse 1 is the key verse of these four. Accept the one that is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. Friend, one of the greatest things we can see is someone who comes to a knowledge of Jesus Christ and accepts him as Lord and Savior, but is doing it only with a childlike faith. Whether that person is a child in age and stage of life, or instead just new to the faith, it's exciting to see that they have so much to learn but are so hungry to grow in the Word and the way of, ways of the Lord. We've got to understand, though, that people who are weak in their faith are not to be judged. I think most of us who've been in church or been around the faith for a while know this to be true because of how teaching is done. 
It's done from the pulpit with great clarity and often great basic principles of life. There's not a need for a dissertation or a PhD to understand the things of God. At the same time, there is depth in the scripture, and a person who is seeking to learn can really grow in the knowledge of what the Lord is teaching through his word. You know, there's often different teaching styles. I think the COVID crisis has shown this more than ever. Uh, We've seen schools who've gone away from the lecture and learn model in a classroom to doing things from afar and doing online distance learning. We've done that here in our church through the video and the audio studies that are going on weekly. We see that in the way that news is delivered, where people are delivering it from their homes or from street corners, not from studios where there's lights, camera, and action. And finally, we've seen it in our own ways of interacting with our beloved family members. We have to be afar from them in interacting. And so the teaching and learning styles are adapting based upon what's happening in our environment. And that makes us all weak in some ways. For a lifetime, we've been doing things the same old, same old. And yet we're having to step back and learn differently. And what I've been delighted to see in the evangelical church, and certainly in our church in particular, is that we've adapted to this challenge. We've analyzed what we need to do to be effective learners and teachers. And finally, God's blessings can abound in that type of environment. I'm standing here in the building at the First Baptist Church of Keller Campus using a technology that is very easily uh, replicated across facilities or locations. At the same time, you can't just assume that that technology is going to the hinterlands and to all the world. There has to be a plan to get it edited and usable so that it can be used for God's glory. And I've seen that firsthand myself. And I know that as you adapt and adjust to this new way of living life for God, we can grow together. And that leads us into verse 5. Let's look at it for just a moment. One person regards one day above another. Another guards every day alike. Each person must be, listen to this, fully convinced in his own mind. I heard it said from a mentor I had once that the gate of change has to be opened from the inside. And he was speaking of how we can't just yell at a person or browbeat a person or coach up a person and assume that they're going to get it, that they're going to change. It has to be that the person is willing to accept and take coaching and teaching and to learn by opening that gateway of change. We call it an a priori premise something that is based upon a strong feeling that it is a certain way. And no amount of arguing or of clarity of discussion is going to make a person change their mind. We most often see this in the political realm in which which we operate in this country. But I would argue that what the writer is saying here to us is that each person being able to fully convince in his own mind that that is something that only God can do by working on a person. And I can tell you firsthand, friends, that I can give multiple examples in my own life where this is the case, where I look back and say, man, I wish I could have figured that out earlier. I wish I would have paid attention to that sooner. And other things that I can look at the first time 
and just say, yep, that makes total sense and my life has changed because of it. The key in sanctification is that we're on that journey. But let's be open and accepting that God is working on us and that we as a work in progress can still be used for his glory and his good. Well, let's continue down now to verses 7, 8, and 9. I'll read to you starting verse 7. Not one of us lives for himself, and not one dies for himself. If we live, we live for the Lord. Or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. You know, living and dying are the two ends of our spectrum. The day we were born, we celebrated my daughter's 21st birthday yesterday. And we had a wonderful time of joy over the weekend and into yesterday as we did that with family and friends in the area. 21 is one of those magical numbers in terms of what people are looking for with driver's licenses and voting and other things that go on around the world. And some of it seems magical in the world of what you say you're now a full-fledged adult. Yet whether Kaylee lives or dies today and tomorrow, she's still the Lord's. Age and stage of life doesn't change that. The point I'm bringing up is that as you look at how Christ lived and died, he, is, he did that on earth as an example to cover every aspect of what we could face. Every capability of what we would need to go through, he experienced Oh, sure, the technologies didn't exist of that day, but problems were the same that we face in this world of hunger and illness and need for healing and need for leadership and need for godly guidance. And he showed us the way in his living, and I would argue in his dying. He willingly accepted a plan that was even difficult as he faced those days. But look at the end of verse 9. It says, Christ lived and died that he might be the Lord of both the dead and of the living. Now, this is a deep philosophical truth, so I don't have time to get into it today. But the point that I believe the writer's trying to make here is that as we look at all eternity, Christ is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And he was able to fulfill his plan by being on this earth. In fact, let's look at Revelation if you want to skip over with me, you can, or otherwise I'll just read to you Revelation 21, verse 6. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. And what's being talked here is the living and the dead can look forward to the fact that because of what Christ did that the plan was fulfilled when the veil was torn in two and then when Christ was resurrected so that he can say, it is done and I will give eternal life. I think that is a tremendous truth that we often hear from pulpits or from different Sunday school lessons, but I can tell you we can never hear it enough and be reminded of that truth. Now, getting towards the end of our lesson today, verses 10 through 12 in Romans, let's just read those. You, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. It is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me 
and every tongue shall give praise to God. And then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Well, that's some heavy material as well there. Getting back to the concept of acceptance, we're not to be sitting in judgment. You know, sometimes that's hard to do because we see either our children or ourselves do things that, um, you know, deserve judgment and deserve punishment. And in fact, we read here in Romans that that is the end, that there is a reckoning to come. But I can tell you that if we live by the principles of Matthew, or written in Matthew from the, um, the Sermon on the Mount, we can look at what he says here in Matthew 7, 1 through 3. Here it is. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way that you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard or measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at a speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye. That's really something that I can take to heart. I'm not a person that I believe is judgmental by nature, yet sometimes I can find something that is the smallest of concerns to me about my wife, about my family, about my friends, and yet I will neglect something that is a log in my own eye. And I think that what the writer's showing us here is that let's look at ourselves and work on our own sanctification, and help others as we need to along the way, but let's not try to sit in judgment. That's what the world does, friends. They look at themselves along the way and say things like, well, I'm not that bad a person. This person next to me is 10 times worse, or my neighbor really struggles with this kind of problem. They look at themselves and judge themselves along a continuum that is man-based. And Christ goes as far as says, Judge not, lest you be judged. You will be judged in that same measure as you judge others. So the best thing to do is to stand away from it. And I think what Paul was doing as a writer here is, he's writing to the Jews and the Gentiles of the Church of Rome. That's a mixed bag in that group of believers you know, some of them have long heritage and history with the Jewish faith. There's early Gentile converts who are what are seen as weak in the faith, according to the Jewish believers and brethren. Yet all of them are learning something new, and that is the new covenant. And they're probably struggling with it. And that's why Paul is writing the way that he does to say, we're taught not to judge. So let's work together to cooperate and to collaborate as we come alongside in working for God's kingdom together. And that brings us to my conclusion for today. I have a couple examples that I'm going to give to you coming out of this lesson. Let's do what we can do to help people grow, not to help people go away. A lot of times folks are all about surrounding themselves with those who think like them, act like them, want to be in the similar uh, socioeconomic stratosphere is them. And that is not at all what Christ calls us to do. He calls us into the hinterlands to those that are of weak in faith and physical frame and of aged or the orphan and the widow to go and to help and to work. I'm so glad that our church does that by program and plan as we do our missions programming, our youth programming, our children's programming, teaching the whole canon of Scripture. But I can tell you, here's an example of what we can take away from this lesson that I believe as we get ready to give an account 
to God for what we've done. Number one is, in this COVID crisis, there are innumerable opportunities to help. Whether it's giving your time, your talents, your treasures, as we hear about giving, that's important. But I would go even further and say, there are ways that you can, literally in the neighborhood that you're a part of, um, help an aged person who's having trouble keeping their yard, helping pick up trash that gets blown around because people aren't quite as diligent about things as they once were. Or on the other end of the spectrum, where people are tending their gardens and their yards more than ever because they have time, spend time in social distancing fellowship with them. Sit on the curbside. Have a deep conversation about the things of God. We're not harried in life like we've been in the past couple of decades with all the things that are going on as we travel around the world. This is a time to spend not in judgment, but in encouragement. So that's, friends, what I want to close with is let's be encouragers that we do not compete or complain about our brethren and our sisters. We instead edify and help them become more complete in Christ. So as we close our scriptures today, I encourage you as we get into Memorial Day as well, not to forget to remember those who gave us sacrifice on behalf of us for this country, for the way that we get the chance to live in freedoms, and that we will Make a call to those family members and friends we know who did lose loved ones through a wartime or other challenging effort as we memorialize their memory. Remember, we're not to worship those who uh, did these wonderful things for us, but we absolutely are to be grateful for their sacrifice. We worship the risen King and what He does for us daily. Well, thanks for listening. Let's close in prayer as we uh, go into this Memorial Day weekend. Be safe. And uh, enjoy your time away from uh, work on Monday, if uh, you have that. And we look forward to a great summer here at First Baptist Keller. Lord, as I close this lesson, thank you for giving us a chance to learn from your scriptures today. What we saw in Romans and Matthew and Revelation, we look together at how those things are completed. And we're grateful that Christ did complete your plan on the cross with his death, burial, and resurrection. We're thankful, Lord, that we can look back on that history and know the truths of it, and we can look forward to the future without fear, knowing full well that you are capable of helping us in any situation we're in. So, Lord, help us to be accepting of those and their weakness, including ourselves. Help us to be accepting of those who are growing on a path of sanctification, and help us to come alongside them so that we can grow together as we continue your work here on earth until you call us home to heaven. And Lord, for anyone listening today who does not know you as a personal Lord and Savior, may they seek to find that. They can call the church office. They can touch base with any of our ministers or us. We stand ready to help with that. Lord, through your Holy Spirit, work in that way to those who need it. And for the rest of us who are in belief through salvation in you, we're grateful for that wonderful gift you give. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.